Welcome to the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. My name is Natalie Nidham. I'm a nutritionist, a human potential, and epigenetic coach, and I created this podcast to bring you the latest ways to take control of your health and longevity. We cover it all, from new technology to ancestral health practices, personalized interventions, and a very special interest of mine, peptides. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, guys. Uh, today's episode is a continuation on our bioregulator peptide journey, specifically the Russian bioregulators. We're talking about the oral version here. And today's guest is Phil Mikens, who has a master's in pharmacology and who is the guy who introduced me to Dr. Bill Lawrence. Uh, so I've published, if you missed them, I published two other episodes on these Russian oral bioregulators. Um, and that was episode 46, which was just earlier this week, and episode 42, which was a few weeks ago. So if you haven't checked those out, you're going to want to check them out. If not, well, don't want to check them out after you've listened to this, because you're going to be kind of like, really? Could this be stuff be for real? And then in those episodes, we talk about a clinical trial with real live humans that Dr. Lawrence has been running for three years in North America or out of North America in collaboration with Dr. Kavinson to see what the impact is of specific bioregulator peptide protocols on telomere length and DNA methylation patterns. So on biological versus chronological aging. Anyway, enough about that. Today, we're talking to Phil Mikens. And Phil Mikens is, in addition to be having, having a master's in pharmacology, he's also the editor-in-chief of Aging Matters magazine. He's the assistant editor in, to the Lifespan Medicine Journal. He's the director to the British Longevity Society, and he is the vice president of the International Anti-Aging Systems. And it's under that umbrella of the IAS group that he publishes the magazine and also has another website, which is profound-health.com, which is where people can buy these Russian bioregulator peptides. Um, and if you decide, if anybody decides they want to do something like that, then make sure that you use promo code longevity15, because that will give you 15% off your first order of bioregulator peptides, or even some of the amazing books and other products that they sell on this website. And there's some pretty interesting stuff. However, before you go off shopping, you may want to listen to this episode, learn a bit more about Phil, learn a bit more about bioregulator peptides. We dig into different bioregulators. And at the end of the podcast, Phil makes this incredible offer where he basically is offering to answer your questions in another episode. So take out a pen and a paper, write down all your questions, and then send them to me or shoot me a note and say, hey, Nat, I've got questions make sure you'll have to send them to me actually. And whether we do this as a live Q&A or a pre-recorded Q&A, we haven't quite decided that yet, but we will do an episode just answering people's questions. So to reach, to find me, so to, to find Phil first um, is through profound-health.com or also you might want to subscribe to this incredible magazine called Aging Matters. He gets the most amazing guests. It's a fantastic magazine. I think it comes out right now twice a year, probably will might be moving back up to four times a year, but he gets the most fabulous guests. As a matter of fact, He's published interviews with Dr. with Professor Kavinson. He's um, published interviews with Dr. Bill Lawrence. And I know that he has one scheduled later this year 
with Dr. Lawrence talking more in depth about the results that they got out of this clinical trial. So super great magazine. Um, I really encourage you to get your hands on it. In any event, remember that all of the information in this podcast is for information purposes only. Before jumping in and trying any new supplement, anything that we talk about here, please make sure to consult with your medical professional or your doctor to make sure that this is right for you. And if you get value out of this episode, please make sure that you share it out with friends, with family, with your networks, with anybody else who you think would benefit from this information, because at the end of the day, that's what we're all about, right? And if you love the podcast, make sure that you subscribe to it. Make sure that you leave us a review on iTunes or Google or Spotify, wherever you're um you're basically getting this information from because that's how we move up the rankings. That's how I'm able to get more amazing guests for you guys. Um, so thank you so much for being here. If you're looking to connect with me, you can do it through my website, which is natnidham.com on Facebook through the biohacking, the optimizing superhuman performance group or on me, we, which is the biohacking superhuman performance group through Instagram, which is just at Natalie Nidham, just my name. And on Clubhouse, I host a room every Wednesday morning at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, just 30 minutes, and we always pick a topic on peptides or peptide bioregulators, generally skewed to women, but it doesn't mean that guys can't necessarily get value out of it, but really it's a women's group. I, I should come out and say that. It, it, it's not my group. It's somebody else's group, and I host this room under that umbrella. So enough chit-chat. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you guys. Thank you for being fans and for all the amazing comments that I get from you. I totally makes my day every single time. So enjoy the episode. Hey folks, before we launch into the episode, um, we have a sponsor and our sponsor today is drinkhrw.com. And this company is all about the magic of molecular hydrogen. They make the most incredible molecular hydrogen products. Um, so they make these tablets that you can easily just drop into your glass of water every single morning as you start your day, which is exactly how I start my day. I start my day with two tablets of molecular hydrogen, this stuff, um, in water with a squeeze of lemon, and that's what I take my supplements with. So why do I do that? Um, I do this because molecular hydrogen is this amazing foundation uh, supplement that I include in mine and pretty much every protocol that I write for my clients. And I got to tell you, there's not a lot of things that I include for everybody because I do believe that everybody needs different stuff. Everybody has different needs. But when it comes to molecular hydrogen, when we talk about a supplement that can help to manage inflammation, reduce inflammation, it helps to reduce pain in many cases. Um, it helps to balance um, blood sugar right? So improve insulin sensitivity. And um, when you hit even just those two markers, we are talking about already upgrading your body's ability to function really well during the day. Also really good for energy, really good for recovery for athletes. Um, it's a pretty amazing substance, especially when we think of the fact that molecular hydrogen, well, hydrogen as a molecule is the tiniest molecule. It's the first molecule on the periodic table, but it's because it's so tiny that it is able to get in where it needs to in the cell and initiate all of these incredible processes. Um, 
DrinkHRW also has tablets that you can drop into your bathtub so that you can soak your whole body in it, get the benefits for your skin, get the benefits systemically into your body. So your skin is your largest organ of, of absorption, guys. So this is a great way to get your molecular hydrogen. It's also really great for people who've got aches and pains and who are sore. It helps to mitigate all of that inflammation. So um, what are some of the other reasons why you might want to drink molecular hydrogen. Well, as, as travel is starting to come back, is making a comeback, then I drink molecular hydrogen on my flight. I start 30 minutes before the flight and I take it every 90 minutes while I'm flying because when we're way up in the sky like that, we are actually exposed to radiation and molecular hydrogen has been shown to be helpful at mitigating the negative effects of that radiation on our bodies. So ultimately, Supplementing with molecular hydrogen is all about aging well. It's about longevity and it's about managing your body system so that you can look, feel, and perform your best. And this supplement, molecular hydrogen, delivers on these points like nothing else. Um, oh, and one of the things I forgot to mention is that molecular hydrogen actually combats oxidative stress. And it's not just anti-inflammatory, it's selective anti, in, well, actually it's selective antioxidant Plus, it also helps to support a healthy inflammatory response. So you guys, obviously, I can keep talking about this for a really long time. What I'm going to invite you to do is visit the drinkhrw.com forward slash superhuman website and check out the research for yourself. If you're one of those people that needs to see it for yourself, that needs to dig into the research, I will tell you that this website, these, this company's website is a wealth of information and it's not just about them. It's just about all of the clinical trials, clinical studies, all of the research you could imagine on pretty much any topic you can imagine around molecular hydrogen to help you to make your own decision about whether or not this is right for you. Like I said, I personally recommend it to all of my clients. I use it myself every single day. But for some of you guys, and for many of you guys, we should always be informed. These guys have one of the best repositories of information on this compound out there. So drinkhrw.com forward slash superhuman. And if you use promo code longevity 10, you will save 10% on your purchase, anything that you buy. And you can use that promo code over and over and over again. So thank you so much for staying with me through this and enjoy the episode. Welcome to the show, uh, Phil Mikens. I am so grateful and excited to host you today. Thank you so much for agreeing to record with me. Natalie, absolute pleasure. I'm looking forward to it. And I'll say a big shout out to all your listeners. Thank you. Yes. Well, thanks guys for showing up. Um, as people know, I'm, well, this podcast, I seek out as many knowledgeable experts in the world of bioreg peptides. It started off really with peptides um, a couple of years ago. And over the last little while, this whole world of bioregulators, I mean, I recorded an interview with someone two summers ago, actually, about bioregulators. And I kind of got it. And of course, Epitalon, you know, it's stuck, but I didn't, I, there was, it was harder to get information then. And ever since, I don't know what's happened, but there's been kind of like this emergence of information. And I'm getting to the point where I'm thinking bioregulators is really where the money is. And the peptides are so great. Don't get me wrong. 
but they're like kind of like the tactical squad, whereas the bioregulators is kind of where it's at. So without further ado, I would invite you to tell us how the on earth you ended up here doing this. First of all, you publish a magazine, which is amazing because that's my background is magazine publishing. Thank and you. a great magazine is that at that anti-aging uh, matters. But yes. tell us about how you got to where you are today and your relationship with Dr. Kavinson, because. Okay. Gosh, yeah. I'll keep it as short as I possibly can. Yeah. Cause we got to get um, regulators at some point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, just very quickly about my background. I started life uh, going to uh, nutritional college in London. Uh, they didn't even call it nutrition in 1981. They called it food and vitamin technology, would you believe? Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's where I started. But my family owned uh, health food distribution kind of, uh, kind of business. And very shortly after that period of time, they recognized that there was um, a growing prevalence towards life extension, anti-aging, you know, we're talking the eighties now here, and they wanted somebody to learn more about the pharmaceutical side of it. So I ended up spending a few years learning pharmacology and also biochemistry later on. So I, I had periods of working and then I went to re-education and then periods of working at a re-education. Nice. So if we, we fast forward to, um, the early 90s um, I found myself living in America and um, for a few years in Florida and I befriended a number of people at that time uh, my mentor I consider him my mentor is Dr Ward Dean anyone can look him up but he had a huge background in biological age measurement he was one of the really proactive doctors in, in anti-aging had been around the block already several times by that time and um, I also, of course, got to know people like Bill Falloon, who founded the Life Extension Foundation, who are based in Florida, um, and, and, and even Dirk Pearson and Sandy Shaw, who wrote the quintessential book that really started this, the genesis of this movement, which is the ultimate preventative medicine, right? Because if you right. slow, stop, or hopefully reverse aspects of aging, mm -hmm. by consequence, you are doing that nearly all degenerative diseases mm -hmm. because we now begin you know when I said this in the 80s and early 90s to people I some people laughed at me you know I'm not joking really laugh they didn't get it people aren't laughing anymore no <laughs> they're taking it down seriously. the door is what they're doing <laughs> exactly it's really changed so you know a lot of progress is made when people's minds change it's not a it's not a lack of expertise it's not a lack of uh, products and protocols it can often just be a mind change mm -hmm. so in 91 uh, I, I was a co-founder with a group called international anti-aging systems and what we tried to do was bring this knowledge to the world um, I admit that we focused a little bit more on the pharmaceutical end of things you know at that time people were really warming up to bioidentical hormones so what I've seen over 30 years gosh 30 years this year mm -hmm. Um, is almost different trends. I'm not saying those trends like fads have come and gone, but there's been trends. So the first trend that I was aware of in this field were organ extracts, right? Liver extracts and things like that. A little later on, people were very conscious of detox and chelation, you know, the right. removal of heavy metals particularly. And then after that, there was a real focus in what's called smart drugs, but the correct terminology is nootropics, 
which is which are agents that help your cognition, your awareness, your alertness and so on. Yeah. And then for the longest time, the big interest has been, especially at groups like A4M, who are the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine, A4M.com, who mm-hmm. do fantastic work. And they have the biggest meetings in the world in Las Vegas every December, where something like 5,000 physicians turn up to learn about this. So this, this is a real awakening now. And that's bioidentical hormones. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, what, what do we mean by bioidentical? It means it, it, the, the terminology was originally founded by Linus Pauling, twice Nobel laureate Linus Pauling, the, the man very, very famous for vitamin C. He called it orthomolecular, yes. which is quite a mouthful. Mm-hmm. But bioidentical is really has the same meaning. It means natural to and in the body. Yes. So when you take a bioidentical hormone, you are taking exactly the same hormone. Now, it may shock people to learn that a lot of hormones in use in medicine today are not bioidentical. They're synthetic or they even come from horses in some cases, the ladies' estrogens. And a chemist will look at them and say they are not the same. Mm-hmm. They have effects, but they're not the same. And so so bioidentical hormones. But <laughs> now where we are exactly, you know, but now where we are today is peptides. I think this is where it's at right now. And hopefully we'll get into some of those reasons. So over that period of time, I've been involved in organizing conferences, in writing books. As you say, I now edit the Aging Matters magazine, which is both online and a physical thing. I'm I'm co-editor with Thierry Hertog from Belgium on the Lifespan Medicine Journal. Um, I help to run IS, of course, and 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 we're always looking for, for the next thing, the next big thing. Sure. But it comes from the science. It's important mm-hmm. to always look at the science. And so, in a nutshell, that's me for the last 35 years. Wow, that's amazing. So, you know, it's interesting that you talk about the organ extracts way back then and that we're talking about bioregulators today because as we were talking about in the podcast before the podcast or a conversation, um, I had this epiphany when we, the first time we spoke, after we spoke about the bioregulators that are essentially very, you know, it's a very... I mean, I think it's a very complicated process how the peptides are extracted from the animal organs and glands and tissues to create these supplements that are these bioregulators. Mm-hmm. But in a much crude, in a crude sense, but maybe in a more whole food sense, that's yes. what these organ extracts were then all about. I think so. Today, too. again, people who are eating organs, people who are on these nose to tail carnivore diets, could it be that they're tapping into the power of these peptides because they are eating the foods? Like there's not that many peptides in ribeyes. No. (laughs) They taste good. (laughs) (laughs) Very good point. point. No, it's uh, absolutely true. And um, a few years, a couple of years ago, I wrote this book with Professor Cavinson, who's the main man in the field, Peptides in the Epigenetic Control of Aging. Aging spelled spelled in the British way with an E by our American friends. As my brother likes to say to me, uh, Phil, are you still into anti-agging? That, that's another. That's another story. You need two G's for that. Um, He's being silly. <laughs> <laughs> but that that for me was an epiphany moment because back in the early '80s when I was doing my nutritional stuff, one day the lecturer put up, uh, you know, on the old uh, overhead projector. He said, "This is what you typically find in food," and it was a pie chart. 
And it was X percentage of vitamins, X percentage of minerals, X percentage of oils. I prefer to call them oils than fats. Mm -hmm. Saves a lot of confusion. And a lot of it was fiber. Most of it was fiber. Mm -hmm. And I remember in the class on that day having a thought, and that was, oh, why is there so much fiber in food? And don't forget, in the 80s, people weren't that into fiber. Okay. No. Like we think about it now. So I thought to myself, well, either fiber must be very important because nature doesn't waste anything. And if over 50% of food is fiber, you know, what's that about? And then the second thought I had to myself was, or they've missed something. Mm-hmm. And fast forward to um, about uh, 2010, and I had the privilege of going to a conference. It was actually in Istanbul. And I heard Professor Cavinson, who's from Russia, lecture for the first time on the bioregulators. And he was basically saying, these are in food. They're found in different foodstuffs, blah, blah, blah. And they are specific, highly specific gene switches. Well, if I'd have been a cartoon, somebody <laughs> would have drawn a light bulb over my head. You know? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> because... me in that conversation with you. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, oh, my God, it took me back to that moment in the classroom. And it answered the question for me. Yes, they've missed something. They've missed the peptides, which are gen- and there will be more things. This is not the end of it. This is not the end of it. But it is a revelation to discover that short chain peptides, these are peptides that are two, three or four amino acids long, mm-hmm. are in different food groups, which also explains why we have to eat a plethora of different foods, right? We don't just eat one thing. And they have they literally signaling specific DNA. It, you know, you're going right to the bottom, oh, you're yeah. going right to the base. Okay, I have a question for you. Do they occur also in vegetables? Because the bioregulator peptides that we use um, are are from animal organs, tissue. At the moment, they're bovine. There are, you can get them from porcine. There's some, you know, but I think partly because of the ease of access and availability. And also, if you extracted it from porcine, there'd be a large percentage of the world who wouldn't eat it, right? For, for sure. For religious reasons. For sure. When you so go the bovine, we're getting the willies. But, but you're not. But I, like, would you be getting peptides from vegetables, or is it that there'd be so few of them that it would be very yes. diffuse? You've almost answered the question there, Natalie. The answer is yes, they can be found in certain vegetables. However, the amounts that you mm-hmm. find in vegetables are considerably lower than what you find in meat. Okay. So you'd have, to, to you'd have to consume a lot more vegetables. Well, and also there'd be the others. So you alluded to this, right? There's still things that we don't know about in occurring in food. And when we're taking these bioregulator peptides, and particularly the oral ones mm-hmm. that are available, for example, on your website, Mm-hmm. We're getting the the peptide, but you're also you're also getting other cofactors, and yeah. it's not a stretch to believe that those cofactors are bringing something to the party. Yeah, and, yeah. and Dr. Kavinson actually talks about this, right? He talks about yeah. this bio, right, this bioregulator yeah. that comes from the animal. Yeah. It actually might be slower acting, but it's much longer acting than its synthetic yeah. analog, which might That's be right. faster acting. That's and right. maybe because also, it doesn't nourish the same way. You're absolutely right. And also the majority of the studies 
that we have, and we have 40 years worth, thanks to Russia and the Soviet Union. This is not a new thing that we is all we don't really know because we only found out about it last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's, max, there's over a million dosages given on these things. Oh so that's God. published, okay? Mm-hmm. So this has an incredible history and we'll, we'll get, we can get into that. But you're absolutely right. It, it's um, The safety profile is incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, can you imagine? They've had no serious side effects. No, it's nutty. You know, and, and, and I've got to say this, okay, in, in my career, it's only happened a few times. But when somebody says something to me along the lines of, oh, have you heard about this? Such and such a military is using it. I always listen very, very <laughs> carefully because they are way ahead. For sure. Because they're not, they're not governed under the normal prerequisite things that a normal drug trial, shall we say, has to. And I've been asked why are they allowed to do it? And my facetiously, I always say, well, they've got more guns than the FDA, so they're not right. going to bother them. They're also <laughs> always looking to solve a problem, right? Exactly. If you look at a lot of the ketone research, exactly. it was driven by the military looking to solve the problem of soldiers that were diving and were, you know, when they were resurfacing, they were having these. It's, it's happened in pilots. If I go back to a nasty period in history, the reason that Hitler and his troops, one, one of the suspected reasons that they took France in six weeks with their blitzkrieg was all the troops were taking amphetamines. Oh, you're kidding. Okay. No, I'm not. They, they yeah. issued the troops with amphetamines. There is a suspicion that if they'd been held up for another three or four weeks, all the troops would have been exhausted oh. because you know how the way amphetamines work. Yeah. So, but, that, but that's a fact. During the Vietnam War, American pilots were being, were being given amphetamines. Modafinil, which is a very, very unique, it's not an amphetamine, it's, it's actually called an agoric. Yeah. Started a new class of drugs. And anyone that's got um, um, uh, things like, um, oh, I'm going to forget the word, uh, narcolepsy or, yes. or cataplexy, which is sudden fatigue, they will know that modafinil is an absolute game changer. Mm-hmm. An absolute game changer. That was a French military secret. Okay. Huh. And what we're talking about today in bioregulators was a Soviet military secret. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So always, if you hear, if you hear the word military in it and it's always listen very carefully. Pay attention. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. So this, so yes. So the Soviets were, again, they were looking to solve a problem. They were looking Mm -hmm. to protect their soldiers. They were looking to also protect the guys on the submarines who I'm sure were resurfacing a hot mess mm. after spending mm. however long, you know, blocked out right. natural light, or, you know, exposed to yeah. radiation or whatever else. And they're cosmonauts. And the cosmonauts, exactly. Cosmonauts. Yeah. So this is where this all emerged. And here's young Dr. Kavinson, who's mm. basically got an open purse mm. and no end of resources and a task, That's solve right. the problem. Help That's us right. to make them more resilient. It was. I mean, he told me personally, actually, he said if, if it was modern day Russia and he had to do this, they couldn't do it. But when it was the Soviet Union and he had instructions from the Kremlin directly, mm-hmm. find something that will help our troops. He picked the phone up and whatever he wanted was delivered the following day. Uh, no yeah. questions asked. So he had a, now I'm not they, de- they went down some blind alleys. They didn't, they didn't arrive at this conclusion straight away. Yeah. But what they discovered was essentially that these peptides, these short-chain peptides, are in foods, were acting as gene switches. 
So then they started isolating them. Of course, they did in vitro tests first, then they moved to animal studies, and then they moved to human studies. And it's hard to believe this in the day and age we live now, but they did some of the world's biggest clinical studies. They, in one particular case, they took 11,000 people and 3,000 controls. These were workers in a, in a company called Gazprom, who's yep. still a company today. They're Russia's oil and gas um, company. And these, most of these people were in Siberia, right? So you could say just living in Siberia is hard work, never mind working in Siberia. Exactly. Um, so, you know, pretty rough environment. And they gave them up to three different, we can get into this a mm -hmm. bit later, but they gave them up to three uh, specific peptides at the time. And what they showed was that all-cause morbidity was reduced by two-thirds. Yeah. And, mor and mortality, because the study was only run over 12 years, <laughs> right? Can you imagine? I mean, you know, Pfizer, I think they did 600 people in their Prozac trial and ran it for six months. You know, know. so... You yeah, know, this we is a massive, we're, massive. we're not going to go to present day. We're going to stay. <laughs> no, 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 no. Just for sanity's so, sake, we're staying in history. <laughs> exactly. And then they repeated it a little later on. Uh, they went to the city of Kazan, which is really central Russia. And there was a tractor factory there. I can't remember the name of the company. Um, and they gave it to 3,000 with, <laughs> with about 1,000 controls. And they got very, very similar results. And then later on, they took some people who were in the original trials who were now age between 65 and 75, okay, and had effectively retired from, from their jobs. Um, and they gave them the pineal peptide specifically. And again, they showed that over six and 12 years, I mean, these are now people heading to their 80s and 90s, which actually is a long time in Russia because unfortunately for the Russians, they do not meet the averages even in Europe. Okay? Right. They're, they're, they're right. well below the average. You know, Hungary and Russia, unfortunately, they're very near the bottom in the average lifespan. Yeah, very stressful. Um, yeah. So for Russians to be living in the 80s and 90s is a really good going anyway. And again, they showed that just taking one peptide, this, this case, the pineal peptide, um, they decreased their mortality over half, even at that age. Well, and I've and also and I've also read like other metrics that they measured was that their bone density was better, that their immunity improved, that, it, you know, like so many. And why? Well, because, yeah. you know, they you improve melatonin production. If you improve melatonin production, you're going to sleep better. Your growth hormone is going to be at better levels. You're exactly. all of these downstream effects. People have often yeah. asked me, you know, I, if I, was I gonna, have. Yeah. My passion is the pineal gland. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it shows you what a boring life I lead, okay? No, but, but it's fascinating. <laughs> it's this itty bitty little pea-sized thing that, that runs the show, right? Exactly. I mean, if you, you know, the Hindus, I think it's called the Bindu or the yeah. Bindi. There's yeah. a red spot that's there on the forehead. The third eye. It represents the pineal, the third eye. So yeah. if you draw a line more or less from the top of your ears and the center of your forehead and, the, and think of the middle of your head, that's your pineal gland. There's only one gland above it which is the hypothalamus mm -hmm. and a good friend of mine and the most brilliant man as well is professor walter pierpoli yes. from italy and he's recently one of the world's experts in melatonin okay a beautiful passionate lovely man and he um once said this to me and it's always stuck with me Mel 
principally the pineal produces melatonin in response to darkness. Mm-hmm. Well, why does it bother? Well, by no, your body has to know, am I in day or am I in night? Yeah. Why does it need to know that? Because the cyclicity of the hormones, it, they, different hormones come out at different times. Most of them come out first thing in the morning, things mm-hmm. like both hormones and so on. And it's that get up and go, you know, it's that I've got to get out of bed, I've got to do something and not go back to sleep. And later on, then melatonin kicks in and then you feel a bit drowsy, which is why if you're, I don't know, in a cinema at two o'clock in the afternoon, it gets dark, you even can start to feel it because your brain's going to be producing melatonin. Out cold. So <laughs> exactly out cold. So this is what Walter said once, and it's always, always, always stuck with me. Because if you've got um, the correct circadian rhythms, day, night, day, night, day, night, you now have hormonal cyclicity. Yeah. If you have hormonal cyclicity, you have a superb immune system. Mm -hmm. Everything's going on right. And Walter said this. He said, think of the pineal gland as the conductor of the orchestra. Yes. If you don't have a conductor, the orchestra will make noise. Mm -hmm. But when you have a conductor, it makes music. Yeah. Beautiful. I love that. It's a nice way of thinking about it, isn't it? I love analogies. I think they're the best. Okay. (laughs) So going back to our human subjects, what I, Mm -hmm. what I also found very interesting is in the 11,000 person study, which was the first one at Gasworks, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so these people were not necessarily old because Mm -hmm. some of them, I think they started maybe 35 years old up to. That's right. Right. But the majority were in their forties, but, but. They did start around 35 and right. they went up to sort of like 50s. Yeah. But, but what's interesting to me is that they didn't get, they were given the bioregulators for what, mm. maybe three years? Uh, that's right. Yeah, they weren't they given, and they, and they weren't taking long. them every day either. No, yeah, they, they were I mean, taking cycles, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think it's what's really interesting is you've got these people who are living in really stressful conditions. And interestingly enough, I've got to say that I've got to come up with a new word um, than interesting, but, but you know what I, I'm stuck without interesting. Sorry. That's okay. If in talking to Dr. Bill Laurent, Laurent, mm. who you know as well, very well, um, mm. where was I going with this? They, okay. I've, I've lost my train of thought now. That's I've interrupted okay. myself enough times that I've lost my train of thought, <laughs> but but it was interesting to me that they only took the peptides for a short period of time and yeah. yet saw these disproportionate yeah. benefits. Oh, I know what I was going with this is if people are living under very stressful conditions. And I know that a lot of people poo poo yeah. telomeres, you know, they're sure. like, yeah, the science isn't really there. We don't really mm-hmm. know. They were really hot for a while. Now they're not. And I know mm-hmm. that the clinical trials that Dr. Lawrence is running right now have to do with telomere mm-hmm. length which is a huge piece of what mm-hmm. epitalon is about, is it lengthens telomeres. Mm-hmm. Um, we can imagine that these 35 to 55-year-old people living in Siberia under mm-hmm. hugely stressful conditions Wouldn't would have had shortened telomeres. I agree. I and agree. so even that three-year cycling of the epitalon was enough yeah. to give them enough fuel to get a little further yeah. along. And then you take that smaller group, give them another hit in their 70s. Yeah. Now, in the, I've got to say, in the Soviet trials, um, they're measuring different things. Okay. But at that time, in the, in the late 80s and early 90s, they weren't measuring telomeres and they weren't using what is the latest kid on the block, which Bill Lawrence is using, which is the Horvath clock. Which is right, DNA. the DNA methylation. Right. Yeah. Okay, which is a very, I think, is the best biomarker we have right now. And huh. it's a lovely 
Do you want me to hear the story about the Horvath clock? Tell me. <laughs> we're, we're, we're all in. This is story time, guys. You're going to learn about bioregulators, but you're going to learn about all kinds of other stuff. too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but biological age measurement is taking a measurement and comparing it to people in that age group to see if you're younger or older. So you can do some really simple ones like examine your skin elasticity, or you can say my level of DHEA in my blood is, or, you know, there's all ways of looking at it. But there can be great variances. Some people, they'll, they'll say, oh, I got a bad result. It says I'm 20 years older than I am. Right. Or, or sometimes I'm 20 years younger than I am. And then you start to say, oh, is this really credible? It's too yeah. wide. Well, the Horvath clock seems to be the most accurate one. And I've heard that there are some police um, uh, agencies in America who, when they go to a scene of a crime, and they find what they think is the blood of the assailant. Obviously, what can they get from blood? Well, yes, they'll know it's a man or woman. They'll know the blood group. And yes, they can take the DNA out of it. But if they haven't got that person's DNA on file, they'll have to hope that they catch them to match it, right? But they exactly. that's the trouble. That's the detective work. Well, it turns out that some of these agencies now are using the Horvath clock on that blood. Why? Because they get the age of the person plus or minus four years. Oh, so there's no very, so the Horvath clock is the Horvath clock. Is, it's so pretty accurate. You're full on. So it's not, okay, so stay with me here. It with, is changeable. But with the telomeres, when yeah. we're doing these cycles of bioregulator peptides, what we're hoping to do is lengthen our telomeres so that we appear to be at a yeah. telomere perspective much younger than we actually are chronologically. And but a, little tip there, clock, huh? a little tip there on the telomeres. Yeah. When you go to a lab and have a telomere test done, and I do it, I'm doing it at the moment, they typically give you two results. They say your average telomere is yeah. and your shortest telomere is. Oh. Don't worry too much about the average. Look at the shortest. Yeah. Okay. You're a limited that, you know, it comes back to if you think of the human as a very complicated machine, mm -hmm. then we're only as strong as our weakest part. Perfect. So worry about your shortest telomere. Do your program. Get your retest. Oh, good. The shortest telomere has got longer. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that to me is the one to really watch. But the but the Horvath clock, if it's so specific about your age, how are we? How are we using it when we're I, doing these bioregulator? I can't answer that really because what we're at now is we're at the cutting edge of the cutting edge. But what I'm intrigued to know is when Bill Lawrence publishes the results on his 39 patients who he's been monitoring for three years, and that should happen this summer. And I you've know got a magazine Bill, article coming for, with him, don't you? I already asked you've him to write scoop. my lead story. <laughs> <laughs> I, it will definitely come out this year. Um, and because I know from Bill, he hasn't given me the full details. I, I, okay. But but he has told me that all the patients have improved. Okay. Yes. But we will see when he publishes how much they've improved by. Okay. Okay. So the good news is everyone's improved. But now how much? I'm I'm, I'm going to throw a guess out now, and I'm going to say I bet you that the tele age, as they call it, the telomere age, will be more than the Horvath age. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, <laughs> I because I, I interviewed him recently and he shared some, you know, some very preliminary results. And he, I mean, he himself is, has gone, let's say 74 times around the sun. Mm -hmm. And yet his, his, his telomere age is 35. 
that of a thirty-five year old, right? But so, both Bill and his his partner Vez are doing very, very well. Oh my God, yeah. they're doing amazing. And you know what's interesting to me about him also is in ta- in speaking with him and getting to know him a little bit better is mm-hmm. when he talks about the measures that he's taken in his life and mm-hmm. lifestyle to manage mm-hmm. his stress because yeah. he speaks about this right, and I find this so fascinating because. We so want to find the magic pill. We so Mm -hmm. want to find that thing that's going to allow us to live our crazy lives and still get away with whatever we get away with. Mm -hmm. You talk Mm -hmm. to a guy like him and he is up to his eyeballs in this stuff. Bill Bill is a true life extensionist. Yeah. Not many people are uh, because it's inconvenient and can be costly. Yeah. But he is, he's one of the guys at the top of the game. Very quickly, this might be a good interlude to say, Yes. I believe health is a pyramid. Yes. Optimal health. Okay. If you don't want optimal health, if you want to accept the natural decline curve that everyone goes through as they get older, well, good luck. You can be average. Okay. But those who are interested in not only living longer, but living healthier. Yes. Okay. And and I have a saying on this. Okay. It's, you know, when you say anti-aging, most people think, I don't know, skin and hair, right? Mm -hmm. That's fine. There's nothing nothing wrong with wanting to look good. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you want to put the word medicine on the end, to me, it becomes more fundamental. And I always say, look, maybe one day we can all look like Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, okay? Well, without the tattoos, maybe, but... But people think of anti-aging like that. And of course, if the day ever comes when a 60-year-old looks and performs like a 30-year-old, my God, we know we've cracked it. But well, I, I think say, we're getting there, right? Well, we're getting there. It's getting, well, already the world's changed. Oh I mean, my gosh. if we went back 50 years and you were 50 years old, you know, you'd, you'd probably be told to have a Labrador, have some slippers and smoke a pipe. Absolutely. Because your life was over. But yep. now we've got 70-year-olds cycling around the world, exactly. swimming Alcatraz or, you know, all these uh, climbing Mount Everest, all these incredible things. You know, there's no doubt in my mind that 70 is the new 50. Mm-hmm. Okay? Absolutely. And, and it will go on and it will shift up. I think it will shift up. But to me, the goal, if we, if we get these three things, I think we will have succeeded. Okay. The rest, to me, is icing on the cake. So what are the three things in older age? We remain lucid. I'm with you. We can communicate with one another without impairment. Okay. We remain agile. Nobody has to help me off the toilet. (laughs) Or tie my shoes. Yes. (laughs) Right? Yes. Yeah. And thirdly, we can, if we wish, be independent. Yes. So we can walk down the shops. We can do whatever we, we can drive our cars, whatever it is. If we achieve those three things, at age 90, at age 100, age 110, age 120, I think we'll have, it'll be a marvellous, marvellous breakthrough. So that to me is the first goal. Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's this is introducing this whole idea of health span with lifespan, right? Exactly. With, and somebody once said to me, a colleague of mine actually, he said to me, you know, with greater lifespan comes the responsibility for greater health span. Yeah. And and, and looking after the planet because you can no longer say, well, let the kids sort that out. Yeah, no, you're going to be there. Right? You're going to be there. The Greek mythology, there's a man called Titonus in Greek <laughs> mythology, and he apparently did great work for the gods. And he was a human. And they were so impressed by him. They said at the end of whatever he'd done for them, what do you want? 
will, will give you any wish. Right. And he said, immortality. And what happened to him is he got older and older and older and older and older. <laughs> and he got, and eventually he went, he turned black and he shriveled up. And the last thing anyone saw of him, he was a speck on the pavement. And then he disappeared. But he was, he's still alive. He turned into he's still a alive. Right? <laughs> because he made, he answered, Oh, you could say, be careful what you wish for, but but he answered them incorrectly. What he, sh- of course, should have wanted is eternal youth. Yeah, is what he should have should have asked. So you're absolutely right here. This is not about getting to 160 with 80 years of bad life. This is about maximizing our health span. Absolutely. Okay, and so to that end, <laughs> and in the interest of time, yes. let's talk about the bioregulators, because there are, I believe you said there are 21 of them that have been identified so far. We're not going to be so arrogant as to believe for one minute that we found them all, that they've found because they haven't. And who knows, maybe in those preparations from the organs, there's other stuff, magic fairy dust that's contributing to success. But let's talk about these bioregulators. There's 21 of them, and there is a hierarchy. As we Mm -hmm. alluded to earlier, you know, starting at the top, starting with that pineal gland. And I know that in Dr. Kevinson's studies, if there's a triad that you would you would focus on first, you mm-hmm. would probably speak to the pineal gland with a epitalon. Mm-hmm. You would then move to thymogen. Thymus, which is oh, sorry, the thymus, yeah. Every yeah. once in a while, I get a mental block, thymogen, thyrogen. I have There's to lots of very it. silly names in our business. So, yes. I well, it's better than the other peptides, BPC-157, which oh, is completely impossible. It's numbers, yeah. And then the sujin, which speaks to the blood vessels. So the circulatory yes. system, which if you think about it, makes so much sense. Because if exactly. you can bring nutrients to the cells and remove waste products, exactly, you're, you're kind of there. So if there was that, that triad to start yeah. with, that... Yeah. This is really kind of like this core, but then we move on to the next level. And so I would, if I could yeah. ask you, in your opinion, where's, what's that next layer? I okay. have my ideas, but I don't know. You oh, know. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> well, first of all, what you mentioned, which is the pineal peptide or bioregulator, I should say. Yeah. And, and the, the thymus bioregulator and the blood vessel bioregulator, they were the ones used in the big trials. They were the ones that got the results serious decrease of morbidity and serious decrease of mortality okay and and as you say it's quite clear strong thymus strong immunity strong white blood cells you know a good blood flow as you say good nutrition to the cell good toxin removal from the cell and the pineal being this kind of mysterious one but by controlling the circadian rhythms good hormonal cyclicity throughout okay so that i think and, and as we know, the consequences might be extended telomeres and so on. So I absolutely, and they're the ones I take. Okay. okay. But after that, I think what you've got to ask yourselves is, what are my weak points? You have to understand what your weak points are. My weak points are my blood sugar levels. I, I'm, I, I love sugary things too much. It's, it's you know, I, my blood sugar levels are too high. So I add in every now and again, I add the pancreas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. But you may have, or somebody out there may say, oh, no, my problems with my adrenal glands. You know, I've got adrenal fatigue. I'm always tired at three o'clock in the or four o'clock. I always take a nap, take the adrenal peptide. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
So what are your weak points? If you're a man, older man, and you're going through the male menopause, you might want the testes peptide to yeah. reinvigorate your testes and produce more testosterone. If you're a lady going through perimenopause, you would probably want to look to the ovary peptide, which will help support your estrogen, but more so your progesterone levels. Okay, I have a question about that. Yes. For the ovary one, so then would it be appropriate, because we're seeing so much hormonal dysregulation in younger mm. women, like it's yes. a like, I mean, at this point, it is unusual to meet a woman in yeah. as young as their 20s, like even 16 year olds yeah. are being put on birth control, right? So yeah. would, because it's a bioregulator, because it is the great equalizer modulator, might it be something worth considering with your practitioner? And we're, and I'm gonna say this now, I should have said it earlier, yeah. but even though these are super safe, even though mm -hmm. they're supernatural, but even all the great caveats we can say about this, you still mm -hmm. want to consult with a health pr practitioner, your medical yeah. doctor. We're not solved. We're not giving cures for any diseases here. Yeah. But having said that, <laughs> with the ovarian one, <laughs> yes, yes, could it not possibly have usefulness po potentially with younger women who, where we are still seeing, yeah. like you know, these women they're being told you're estrogen well, dominant, so they're trying to break I, down I, their estrogen. I don't want to go into a long story for you. As you know, I can be a bit yeah. of a raconteur. But I think the problems that we're seeing in young women, and I'm not going to touch on the young men side of it because it might be a bit too controversial. Well, no, but there, we're seeing craziness there too. But anyway, go well, on. Yeah. Yes, our estrogens in the environment. Yes. And this is mainly coming from plastics. Yeah. Um, the peripheral A and such like and the pseudoestrogens. So you imagine these girls and boys as they grow up, they're, they're eating it, they're drinking it in the water. Plastic bottles are everywhere, aren't yeah. they? Although there are certain plastics that don't leach peripheral A, I'm aware of that, but most of them are the cheap ones that do. Um, and this accumulates, accumulates, accumulates. You know, the WHO has already seen um, uh, even mammals like uh, uh, crocodiles who are changing, I mean, fish, it was commonplace, but they're changing sex in the water. Right. No, and you mean reptiles. Yeah, frogs yeah, that reptiles. are becoming hermaphrodites. Yes, yes. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Because we skewed, the, you know, testosterone and the estrogens, there's a few estrogens, you yeah. know, they're in a balance all the time. What makes a man a man is, is, is more testosterone and less estrogen and a woman, a woman, yeah. a woman. Um, it, it's well known as men age. Uh, what happens to a man as he ages? You know, he, what is a male menopause? It's, the, it's, it's not as dramatic as a female menopause. Mm -hmm. Nonetheless, it happens is a is a the lowering of of testosterone, and what happens in the man is the estrogens are a byproduct of converting testosterone because he hasn't got ovaries, right? Right. So you're converting testosterone with an enzyme um, called aromatase, which is mainly found in fatty cells. So mm -hmm. the more fat you have, the more aromatase you this have. The circle. more aromatase you have, the less testosterone you have. Um, and if you look at an older man, he begins to feminize. You can see he's uh, creating breasts, maybe. Yeah. Face. And when you're on the phone to an older man, you know it's an older man because his, vo his voice changes. Mm -hmm. okay. Now, in a woman, it happens the other way around. That yeah. The, um, the aromatase is converting estradiol specifically into, into testosterone. And you can even see some older women become more masculine mm -hmm. as, as this, um, in fact a 60 year old man can have more estrogen in him than a 50 year old woman right. so 
these these so these changes are, I think are at the heart of why we're seeing these problems. And the last thing I'll say on this thing is young girls now are menstruating early. Oh like my gosh, it's crazy. If you go back to the medieval times, so we go back 500 years, it was uncommon if a woman, a girl, I should say, menstruated before the age of 15. Unbelievable. And now it's eight and nine-year-olds I'm hearing about. Eight right? and nine-year-olds who are being put on birth control or who are being given hormones to suppress. And I kind of get it, right? You don't want yeah. your eight-year-old to be dealing with, with menstruation and yet- okay. It's just this craziness. So, okay. So, I mean, clearly so, this is this is a rabbit hole. We could spend a whole yeah. lot of time. They in. need to detox, right? They need to get, I mean, the simplest detox in the world is, is vitamin C. Yes. So if you've got youngsters like that, you, they've got to take a lot of vitamin C, okay? That will definitely help. Avoid the plastics, mm -hmm. obviously, another one. You know, um, oh, sorry, I'm full of stories. There's one I should either tell you, it's really, I think it's quite interesting. The Germans, probably more than a decade ago now, they went to every state in Germany and they randomly checked the water from the faucets. Yeah. Okay. In in Germany, and what they found, which is coming from the regular municipal water supply, okay, what they found is traces of every common drug on the planet. Oh, for sure. They, they found birth the control pills. Pill, yeah. Number one. Prozac, number two, even Viagra. My joke is, of course, now we've got hard water. But, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, I'll give you that. Humor. I'll give you the laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and that, when people say to me, bottled mineral water is a joke, I say, no, it isn't, because it hasn't got common prescription drugs in it. Yeah. Now you, you could argue, oh, but they're very small amounts. Some of them are even in the million. Try drinking it for 20 years. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> it's the biggest argument for reverse osmosis, remineralization. I use this stuff. I don't know if you've ever heard of, I'm sure you have knowing you, the Quinton. Oh, Quinton, yes, yes, yes. I know uh, the guys in those Spain trace who minerals. I mean, yeah, this yeah. is stuff that's been around since the 1920s. Again, what's old yeah. is new again, right? Anyway. Yeah. But getting back to our bioregulators, so right. we yep. could make an argument for, I think it's called Ovagen. I can't actually add that. I might be wrong yeah, with yeah. that. That's right. The ovarian one for definitely for women in their 30s and 40s who are seeing yeah. dysregulation in their hormones, right? Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. might help it them to be. normalize. They're so safe. I don't normally talk about children. I certainly don't normally no. talk about anyone under the age of 12. But but there's no reason they couldn't. And, and there's two things we should be aware of here, Okay. Firstly, if a man takes the ovary peptide, absolutely nothing will happen. He doesn't have ovaries. <laughs> surprise, surprise. There's right? no target. There's no target. And conversely, if a lady takes the testes peptide, absolutely nothing will happen. The other thing is, and I have been approached by people who are, particularly men who are bodybuilders, and yeah. of course they live in their different world. And of course they want, Superological dosages of everything, particularly yeah. testosterone, they are not going to achieve it with no. these peptides because nope. the peptides will keep you within a regular band. That is another extraordinary thing about them. Yeah. So let's take the thyroid as an example. It's a nice, easy one. If you are hypothyroid, i.e., you have too little thyroid, and you take the um, the thyroid peptide, it will raise 
your thyroid level. Mm -hmm. But if you are hyperthyroid and you had too much thyroid going on, it will silence the gene and actually bring it down. So it is a that's where the word bioregulator comes in. It keeps you within a normal band. And that's why these things are quite incredible. I have a question. Mm. <laughs> okay. So one of the things, and I don't know if you can answer this, but probably you can with your background. So one of the things that we see, even if we normalize TSH, which is the mm -hmm. thyroid stimulating hormone that we're talking about here, what we're a lot of what we're seeing is people are having trouble converting. T4 mm -hmm. and T3, which is the form of yeah, yeah. hormone. Big problem today, yeah. Or they're producing, I mean, we need some, but they're producing too much of the reverse T3, which would be the mirror yeah. image of the T3, which is not active. Like it yes. doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't fit the receptor properly. It doesn't do what it's supposed to do. Yes. In your experience or from what you've seen and heard or learned, does the does thyrogen help at all? any further downstream or is it just normalizing the TSH levels? Like, does it play a role, do you think, mm -hmm. in that that conversion to T3 or the RT3, T3, do you know? Well, I'm gonna shock you. Tell me. Um, <laughs> I think it normalizes TRH. Um, and TRH is the forgotten mechanism. TRH is thyropine release. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Which is produced by the hypothalamus but excreted by the pituitary. And actually, a lot of people out there who have thyroid problems actually have a lazy pituitary because TRH invigorates TSH. Right. And TSH invigorates T3, T4 production. The tragedy we have in modern medicine today is that most patients are given T4. Yeah, T4 they don't know what to make and do anything with. <laughs> it's crazy. And if you lack the enzyme, which I'm going to conveniently forget the name of just for the moment, but if you lack the enzyme that is responsible for converting T4 to T3. The thyroxidase, maybe? The, yes, thank okay. you. It's not going to do anything. And mm -hmm. I've seen countless patients, including a very good friend of mine, who was just loaded up on T4 because they couldn't make an impact and then poisoned himself and get rushed to hospital. So T, T3 is where it's at. Mm -hmm. The natural thyroids, the porcine-derived thyroids. Like the desiccated um, thyroids, yeah. The desiccated thyroids are much cleverer. Why? Because they not only contain the right combination of T2 and T3, they also, they also contain the forgotten thyroid hormones, T2 and T1. Right. Again, you go back to nature, the same thing with these peptides, they're extracts of those glands, they, they have a whole gambit. So it'll have in it the T4, T3, T2, T1. Exactly. Right. By the way, I've got to tell you something about TRH because it's something I'm working on at the moment. And that's another Dr. Pierre Pauly real- It is. He Thank loves you. TRH, correct? He does. Yeah. Walter loves TRH and he loves melatonin. And he always says in his lovely Italian voice, which as you know, when you speak Italian, you have to sing it, you can't talk it. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> um, it, he would always say it, 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 it goes back to the primeval swamp, you yes. know, it, because a lot of people consider if you go back, you know, millions of years and there were no dinosaurs, there's no plants. All we've got is bubbling mud pools all over the place and, and stuff coming up from the ground and stuff coming in from space, all making this mix. Somewhere in that swamp, two amino acids conjoined. 
mm-hmm. and made a bipeptide. And it was at that moment, information. Yes. That was the beginning of information. And then everything evolved out from, from that. Because let's just take a step back in biochemistry for a moment. You have amino acids. When two amino acids can join, they become a peptide, mm-hmm. a dipeptide. Yeah. Up to four, we, up two to four, we, we now call them bioregulators with one caveat, which we can come to. And then, generally speaking, peptides can be up to 50 amino acids and, and longer. Yeah. But, but in that mix, there are anomalies that we would call proteins or we would call hormones. Some hormones, like, say, human growth hormone, are 191 amino acids. Mm-hmm. It's such a long chain, you could, n- you could never take that orally. You yes. have to inject human growth hormone. But how about this? PRH, thyropin releasing hormone, is a tripeptide. It's three peptides. Okay. Now, is it a bioregulator? Well, we don't know because we don't know if it impacts genes. It's not been studied for that. Mm-hmm. And we don't know whether it can silence and activate. It could, but we don't know. So we right. have to stick with science. But one day I asked Walter, because he's doing this amazing work. And by the way, in Italy, they've got a trial with children, diabetic children, and they're finding that some of them stop. And I'm talking about type 1 diabetes, by the way. Yeah. Um, they found that some of the children have stopped dosing insulin and a lot of them have reduced the amount of insulin they're taking because they're discovering that TRH increases the number of insulin-producing cells in the pancreas. You're kidding. Well, Wow. So that's it. So I said to Walter one day, speaking from a biochemical viewpoint, I said, listen, Walter, I said, this tripeptide, TRH, it is so unstable. You know, it has a short half-life. It, it really doesn't hang around very long in the body. How can it be so effective if it's so unstable? And he said to me, and I've never forgot what he said to me. He said, Phil, Phil, instability is adaptability. Yes. <laughs> and that, to me, was another little light bulb moment. Okay. Because it would be so easy to just say, oh, it's unstable, it's useless. And then he says, no, no, no. Instability is adaptability. Yeah. Well, it's a sibling molecule. It doesn't need, like, this is the, this is what's so elegant about so many things in the body, right? It's these molecules that are, that signal and they set off a signal. They only need to be there for a second to set off the signal, get the cascade going. They've done their work and off they go. Exactly. Most people don't know, and they should be aware. What is cholesterol? Well, we know it's principally produced by the liver. Well, it's the starting point for every single hormone in our bodies. Mm-hmm. And, and you are reliant upon eating the right foods. The, the, methyl, the, the first hormone that cholesterol becomes is pregnenolone. After that, it's like a tree. Yeah. It, it goes DHEA and testosterone and progesterone and pregnenolone and goes out like that. But it relies upon us eating the right foods, principally for the B vitamins. Mm-hmm. The, Vitamins, sorry, got British there. That's okay. Vitamins, Um, we get it. We got you. We got you. It's good for the brain. And one of the one of the one of the theories of high cholesterol is the body keeps making more, the liver keeps making more cholesterol because it might be missing, let us say, DHEA. And because you're not 
consuming the right enzymes and the right B vitamins, et cetera, and you, you're not eating the right food, all the body can do to try and get more DHEA is produce more cholesterol. Yeah. No, it's the body responding to a lack for it, sure. It, it's on that. So if you want, you can argue that these peptide bioregulators are a shortcut mm. because they're going straight to the relevant DNA. So for example, if you take the, um, the adrenal uh, bioregulator, and this is quite interesting because the adrenals produce quite a few hormones, right? Mm. You've got the oh, yeah. you've got cortisol, you've yep. got aldosterone, you've got quite a few going on. And I know from experience that a lot of patients do very well because unfortunately, um, burnout, adrenal fatigue is quite common, quite prevalent. And of course, it's nasty because three or four o'clock in the afternoon, you want to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so we find that's a very popular one because it, it does seem to rebalance a lot of these adrenal hormones. I could reach into my box and pull out my adrenal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I mean, I think what's interesting and one thing that I think that's interesting would be important for people to do. And I did this is I had blood work run mm -hmm. to see where my, you know, my cortisol curve is, it's there, but it's weak, mm -hmm. low, right? Mm -hmm. My thyroid hormones, they're there, but they're probably not exactly where I would love them to be. And mm -hmm. so, and then understanding, and I, and I do want to talk a little bit more about this with people is understanding how the body works because the adrenals are talking to the thyroid and mm -hmm. when the adrenals are struggling they're kind of telling the thyroid you know what dude you got to slow down we can't keep up so mm -hmm. thyroid's going to do its job by pulling mm -hmm. back a little bit so that it's not running revving the engine that the adrenals can't keep up with yeah. and so by understanding a little bit and this is where a practitioner can help you by mm -hmm. understanding that chain of command as it were is probably mm -hmm. how we can start to build these bioregulator stacks that mm -hmm. support each other, right? So yeah. if I'm going to take yeah. my thyroid uh, bioregulator, I'm also, and I know my thyroid and my adrenals are doing that thing. They're dragging. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take the two of them and I'm probably going to take something for my brain to support my mm -hmm. hypothalamus, my pituitary, because mm -hmm. it's that HPA axis. It's that whole... There is something else about the bioregulators that I haven't really fully understood. But the one thing I think we can say, because the safety profile is so high, is they are not interfering with normal feedback loops. Yes. And it's another and the, great thing. Yeah. The issue here, let's take thyroid again, because it's a nice easy one to keep coming back to. Um, if you have a thyroid, oh by the way, of course, if you don't have the gland and some of the bother. people have <laughs> It's not going to do it, right? No, As you come back to that thing. If you haven't got the gland, the, the regulators aren't going to work for you. Save your money. <laughs> you're, you're stuck with the, with the medicines, okay? Yeah. But most people, okay, most people have got their thyroid gland. So let's say it's sluggish for whatever reason. So the doctor may say, take this synthetic thyroid, or if he's a bit more, um, or he or she is a bit more... Progressive. Yeah. Progressive, nice word, thank you. Uh, they might say, <laughs> take this desiccated one, okay, which is quite common in America, but unfortunately in, here in Europe, it's not common, but it is a good part. And, but you're going to have to monitor yourself yes. because you are putting that hormone into yourself. So if you're laissez-faire and you're just throwing this thing every day and you're not doing your blood work every few months, et cetera, you would impact your feedback loop. And it is possible that you will stop making any thy naturally occurring right. thyroids because your body says, oh my God, this stuff's everywhere 
you know, let's stop making it. Yeah. The peptide bioregulators don't interfere. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's because it's on track for a normalization. It's, it's not going to make a superological leap of, of excessive dosages. And that is a thing that I've often slightly pondered and haven't got there yet. So, for example, as you say, if you're taking adrenal um, uh, peptide and you're only taking adrenal peptide, is it impacting your thyroid? Is it impacting other glands? Well, if it is, it's not significant. Right. It's not going to overdrive. But you're still, I just think you're going to get better synergy if you're supporting the whole, if you're supporting this, if you're taking a systems approach to it. And I think that's a little bit of the logic behind the epitalon, the thymus, and the suge- and that blood vessels. Mm. It's looking at a system, like what's the yeah. system that we need to get work, like working together. Or mm. you know, if you're looking at somebody's heart is struggling, mm-hmm. well, you would never take the heart bioregulator without the blood vessel bioregulator. No, in fact, that's a very good point because. I once interviewed Professor Cavinson and I asked him this very questions. I said, um, okay, what, what is synergistic? Mm-hmm. What, whatever one you're on, whichever one you've decided to go on, which others will help? And they do have programs and they're normally up to three peptides, but there's one in there every single time and it's the blood vessel. Yeah. So, and if you think about it, it's a slam dunk really, because if you're improving blood flow throughout your body, you're delivering the nutrition, you're taking away the toxins, what's it not going to happen? Absolutely. And you're reconditioning <laughs> so, the blood vessels, right? Like I think what's, exactly. what people need to really understand here, and it's a huge part of aging, is that blood vessels, they lose their elasticity, they get injured, they get damaged. If we can help to restore their function and bring them back. One of the hot and controversial topics at the moment are the millionaires who are paying the teenagers for their blood. Right, yeah. <laughs> What's that word again? I, I had it. Plas- is it plasmapheresis? Yes. 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 Which is Romanian for Count Dracula. No, yeah. I'm joking. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I mean, although that's got its own issues, I think I'll stick to the bioregulators myself. Um, but yeah, no, anyway, really fascinating. So I think in the little while that we have left, although personally, I could keep going for days with you, but I don't mind. <laughs> Um, we can, why don't we talk a little bit about all the, there's these, and I don't know how many, I don't think I remember them all. I know that there's, there's one for the bladder, there's lungs and bronchi. And that's, that was really interesting to me that they separated out, uh, in the respiratory system, they separated, which makes sense, right? I I can tell you a clinical story about one of those. We had a patient, a Chinese gentleman who, who was an addict to e-cigarettes and he was been buying them in China and I don't think the standards of production are quite very good and he was always on one and he accumulated so many chemicals in his lungs that he was in a very serious way I mean a very serious way and one of the things he went on to was the lung peptide the mucus mm-hmm. peptide and at first he was quite frightened because within a day or two he was um, coughing up mucus, thick black mucus, but it was doing its job. It was clearing his lungs. Wow. wow. So, and, that, and I was really shocked because it was in three or four days it was happening. That's amazing. I was, I was shocked how fast it was actually. I, I actually said to him, you should give it three months, but it was happening in him. 
very quickly. And so, but, okay, so that brings up, so, but he was only taking the lungs. He wasn't taking the bronchogen at the same time. He was, he was taking the blood as well, as I recall at the time. Listen, he was doing other things as well because right. he was, of he course. was in a life threatening position. Yeah. Um, but as soon as we added that lung and the blood peptide to his program, he literally within days, he was, he was literally popping up this thick, heavy black mucus. That's so fascinating. That that is, I mean, that is actually amazing to to hear that. So there's a stomach, which which again, that's quite useful. That seems to be useful for period who are having all kinds of stomach issues, even irritable bowel syndrome. It seems to help. Uh, so it with acid. the whole GI tract. Yeah, it seems to work for that. The brain one is actually we call it brain, but it's actually the CNS. It's actually the central nervous system. And what's that one called? Uh, um, oh, you're going to catch me out now. Um, well, actually, you've done a great job with Nature's Marvels because you've gotten rid of the whole... We've, we've simplified it. You've simplified it, like CNS. Yeah, I mean, the Russians, unfortunately, they, they've, had, they've got names for each gland and tissue. They've then got names for whether they're synthetic or natural. Uh-huh. They've then got names whether they're injected, sublingual, oral. Oh, my gosh, yeah. You know, there's a lot to, to learn. So we just like to say... It's the pineal, it's the yeah, blood. Let's it's the- just get rid of all that nonsense. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, but, um, yeah, go ahead. So, you know, so what, what's interesting with the, um, the CNS is we're getting good results in Alzheimer's patients. Good, I mean, within 30 days, we're getting good results for Alzheimer's patients. Um, I, I do give Alzheimer's patients another piece of advice, which isn't peptide advice, but that is to drink mineral water that is high in silica. And this has been proven by a guy here in England, the University of Kiel. His name is Chris Exley, E-X-L-E-Y. And he's one of the world's aluminum experts. And he's done studies with mineral waters that are high in silica. And the brands are, gosh, we shouldn't mention brands, should we? Volvic, Spritzer, and um, Fiji. What What was the first one? Uh, Volvic, it's French. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen it. Volvic, V-O-L-V-I-C. V-O-L-V-I-C, Volvic. That's Volvic, yeah. And then the second one? Fritzer, which I understand comes from Indonesia. Okay. And then Fiji, which guess where that comes from. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I've seen that sold in America. Oh, yeah, Um, it's sold here. It's a gajillion dollars, but I've seen it. Yeah, it's an expensive one. Well, we use Volvic in our family because, you know, it's, it's cheap for us to go and buy that in our or cheaper anyway. So does the silica bind the aluminum? Is that the idea that it's somehow yeah. chelating the aluminum it out? It chelates aluminum. It chelates aluminum. And he's already done the trials, clinical trials, showing that Alzheimer patients who consume at least two liters of one of those waters daily have clinical improvements within a month. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's nice. And of course, I don't want to tell you what they're doing with him, trying to suppress his work. But how simple is that? We all got well, to drink how water. How harmless right? is it? What's but, the big deal? <laughs> Honestly, well, I, I could tell you stories about it. I won't do it now. But but go and look at his work. He's got YouTube videos galore. What's so here's a name? simple thing. Again, sorry. Christopher Exley, E X L E Y. So look up his work. It is fascinating. So hey, we I always say the Alzheimer patients take take the CNS, take the blood because I do think. The sure. one thing that all dementias have in common is vascular. Absolutely. 
It could be, of course, type 3 diabetes. I was about to say pancreatogen might come in handy here in order to help normalize blood sugar, right? Yeah. Yeah. And if you're going to do the pancreas, you may as well do the liver, I'm just saying. I know. <laughs> Sometimes you say, well, where's the end? Where's the start and where's the end, you know? Um, and, and, but you, you can narrow it down to the cause, I suppose. And yeah. then I just say to them, just and drink Volvic, you know, yeah. drink, and see what happens. Or, or one of the others, if you want to. Yeah, no, and, and you know, I think at some level, th this is by no means treatment or diagnosis advice, mm. but this is a nutritional approach to explore what may help to support your system, yeah. right? I've seen, yeah. like I myself in my practice, I've actually seen some really interesting results with people who had Parkinson's disease with mm. something like molecular hydrogen. Yes, yes. Which is really kind have, of weird, right? Have you ever seen the video of, um, there's a gentleman, an Austrian gentleman, his name is Professor George Berkmeyer. He's probably the world's leading expert on NADH. Yeah. Not, NA, not NAD, but NADH. His father, who unfortunately is no longer with us, there's a video of his father, probably in the 90s, in Austria, of course, injecting because at that stage it was early early days for NADH and in fact they hadn't stabilized it orally so then it could only be injected and there is a Parkinsonian patient sitting in his clinic with all the tremors you would expect you you watch Professor Berkmeyer the late Professor Berkmeyer inject the patient and within 20 minutes all the tremors stop and the guy gets up and walks around like normal this is with NADH. This was with NADH, which, which is a driver for dopamine. Mm -hmm. So, but unfortunately, it didn't last forever. No. Which, which if you've ever seen the film um, with uh, the comedian um, Sleepers, it was called Sleepers. Um, Robin Williams was in oh. one of his early roles. Yeah. That film is the true story of L-Dopa or Levodopa, which is the precursor to dopamine. Yeah. And well, go and go and watch it. It's a, it's a film you can go and watch. And that was also a true story. But unfortunately, mm. in their cases as well, it took these people out. It was it was remarkable because these people were deep, deep into Parkinson's, non-communicative with everybody around them. They injected them with L-dopa, and in days they came around and sort of said, well, "What am I doing here?" Yeah. No, actually, you know what? I think I saw that movie a really long time ago. I remember that, but it doesn't end well. Like it doesn't. No, no. Unfortunately, it was it was a moment in time. Eventually, there's. And then they slipped away again, yeah. which was really tragic. But surely these are very strong clues mm -hmm. as to being on the right road. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So I'm sorry we're getting off track. Of, of we totally track. are. We've lost our bioregulators in the process. <laughs> So, okay. So then, so which one, so we talked about testicles, we talked about ovaries, we talked about stomach, which actually addresses possibly the whole GI tract, which is amazing. Can I tell you, Natalie, the one I think is the secret gem and that is not perhaps known well enough about is the bone marrow one. Yes, because stem cells. Yes. Exactly. Absolutely. We are seeing an increase in stem cell activity in patients using the bone marrow. Oh my God. And I think that's very interesting by itself. But the conclusion I draw is if you are the kind of patient that is going to spend, going to one of these world leading clinics that yeah. provides stem cells, you are going to spend a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's, that's a given. 
So why not improve the chances of these stem cells you're going to be given to work where you want them to work? Because that's the classic problem with receiving stem cells. Where will they go? What will they do? And, you know, comparatively speaking, the peptide technology is much, much cheaper. Mm-hmm. And one thing we haven't spoken about is that you do not need to take them every day. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So, in fact, maybe when you start, you would take them every day for a month. But once you're over the month, you would probably only take them for 10 days every month. And literally, as the condition improves, you can lower that to as little as 10 days every 90 days, every yes. three months. And that's in, so, that's for therapeutic effect. That's when exactly, you've got dysfunction. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. For sure. The dosages change and the timing changes depending on the degree of the problem, obviously. Yeah. But isn't it interesting that you can get an effect by taking it as little as once every three months? Yeah. And that tells you it ain't a hormone. No. You you know, hormones, you've almost got to put yourself in your body every day if you're trying to target that that hormone. For sure. No, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. The bone marrow one is interesting. Then there's a muscle one. There's a bone, actual bone one. And then the other one that I think people will forget, forget about people are looking for bone effect is parathyroid. Yes. Right. And so helping to regulate that, that calcium where it's going in the body with the parathyroid. That's an interesting concept. uh, Yeah. Again, that's almost a sleeper actually in the lineup. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Nobody Um, talks about it. (laughs) The most controversial thing I could probably tell you about, uh, but it's a fact. And we did publish this in our magazine after an interview again with Professor Cavinson is the use of peptides in, in, in sports. Um, Now they're not banned. They're not banned substances. I mean, how are you going to ban steaks? Exactly. Exactly. Or liver. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Because you're getting something from a steak. You may not get as much as if you take the supplement, of course. Well, you'll get the muscle. Um, you'll get the muscle bioregulator, right? Exactly. Exactly. Um, and that's another little story in there, yeah. but I won't go <laughs> Let's to Let's go to it. the Olympic one first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we go to the Olympic. So there was one fascinating thing. So there was a, a bunch of young gymnastic girls who were like 19, 20 years old, you can imagine. And they won the gold medal in London at the last London Olympics. And there's a lovely picture of them. And Professor Cavinson's there and the, the, you know, the coach, the ladies that coach the girls and all this stuff. But prior to them going into London, they tested the girls, you know, they're at the top of their game, aren't they? They're exercising eight hours oh a day. Yeah. You know, you could imagine, you could just imagine. So it was shocking because, and this was all prior to the Olympics, sometime before, they decided to do a telomere test on them amongst other mm. tests. And when they tested these incredibly fit 20-year-old girls, all of them had telomeres the same as a 40-year-old, 40-year-old, yeah. not 14, 40. Yeah. Why? Because everything, whatever we do, from drinking water to taking drugs to doing exercise, is on a curve. And that curve is either a U-inverted curve or a bell-shaped curve. And you want to be in the middle of whatever that curve is, right? And so there is a point with exercise that you over-exercise. You go beyond hormesis, which is mild stress, into stress, okay? So although you looked at these girls and went, wow, they're fit, right? They were damaging themselves. Yeah. Now, what they did with those girls is they put them on the pineal peptide. 
And they got such rapid increases in their telomeres, which probably wouldn't occur that rapidly in, say, someone who's 40 or 60 or 80. No, for sure. You're going to respond better. Yeah. Four weeks. Four weeks. They took those girls back, back to normal. But there was another thing about this. Now, I should say that they didn't give them the peptides during the Olympics, okay? But they were giving them prior, and they gave them post. And I was told that normally, after such an invigorous period of training and all the rest of it, they'd normally let them sort of relax for two or three months. They just say, oh, we'll do a little bit, but, you know, because a lot of the proteins are damaged. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they the put them on a combo, which, which, which was actually five peptides they put them on. I was quite surprised. They had like liver and kidney and muscle and um, blood, of course. Um, and I can't remember the other one. Um, and they put them on and they said they recovered fully within three weeks. So what we're seeing here is a rapid involution of protein synthesis. Mm-hmm. In other words, their bodies repaired themselves much faster. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right? And at that age group, you could say, given enough time to recover, they probably would have recovered on their own. Um, Yes, they would have recovered on their own, but it would have taken two or three months. Yeah. And they still result in two or three weeks. Yeah, that's amazing. That's mm. amazing. Well, there's clearly no end of topics we could talk about here. So I think we're going to... we're going to have to cut off. And I'm personally in my, in my, in my mind, I'm going, no, there's so many other questions, but you know, I think we're going to have to cut it off, but maybe we'll get to talk again. I would, okay. I would love that. And well, I, can I make a suggestion? Natalie? Yes. You mind? And that is, you know, we should answer what your audience wants to hear. Absolutely. We, we, we kind of go along the track, hoping they'll like this or that, but maybe they don't. So if they tell you, what mm-hmm. they'd like either more of what we've spoken about or something completely different i don't mind um i'd be happy to come back and we'll talk about their subjects that's incredibly generous of you so guys if you didn't miss if you missed that part or if sadly you checked out early you're going to miss this um this is an invitation from phil to send in your questions send your questions into me and i will then organize another session with phil and we will record a q and a whether we do it, maybe I figure out a live way, or if not, we'll just record it and we'll do a Q&A and answer your questions about the bioregulators. So thank you so much for this, Phil. Phil has an incredible website. Um, so you've got the Aging Matters magazine, which is, I, I highly recommend you guys get your hands on it because it's a wealth of information and it doesn't just talk about bioregulators, but so much more. And Phil also has this other great piece of his website that is called, um, it's nature's marvel, natures-marvels.com, where you can purchase your bioregulators. And he's done us the great favor of simplifying it into English names to tell you exactly what each bioregulator does. He was generous also enough to give us a promo code, which is longevity15, which will give one five, which will give you 15% off your first order. Um, and am I forgetting anything, Phil? Is there anything we else? We have an information site where we, yes. we go very deep and we have audios and we have videos from world people, you know, world professionals. And that's antiaging-systems.com. That, that is the biggest core. But it's not just peptides. We talk about a myriad Anti-aging. of different things. Yeah. And if I may, yes. we do have a public book on the subject, 
which is called the peptide bioregulator revolution. You can find it on Amazon and you can also go to our websites and buy it as well. Oh yeah, so I it's, love it. It's about $15. So it's a not. great, great book. That's where I learned about how one peptide will unfold the DNA, which allows the other peptide to bind to the site. Anyway, we're going to do another podcast. Um, <laughs> if the doctors out there listening want to go deep into yeah. the science, then they need this book, which is called Peptides in the Epigenetic Control of Agents. But that is a scientific book. Oh, yeah. And it's a great eye on that one, too. It's fantastic. Anyway, we're going to stop. Bill, thank you so much. People, don't forget, you can send me your questions and we will record another episode answering your questions. Thank you, thank you. It was such a- Thank you, Natalie. Have a great day. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that's what helps us to be heard and to be seen. If you'd like to connect with me directly, or if you'd like to leave any comments, or if you have any questions about this episode, please reach out to me directly through my website, natnidham.com. And of course, if you're not already a member of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Community on Facebook, that's where you'll find me every day. It's a short application. Just answer a couple of questions and you're in and interfacing with other amazing biohackers. Thanks again, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode.